Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. Today I want to talk to you about the subject of captivating thoughts. How many of you have some thoughts that maybe seem kind of random in your head? You're like, where did that come from? And maybe it kind of gets you off track even, and maybe kind of captures your mind, and you're not really going where you want to go. You ever have that happen? It, it's kind of like if you decided, you know what, I, I need to go to South Beach. I've never been. And if you haven't been, you should go, amen? People have been. You, you need to just go people watch. It's crazy. Don't stay long, but um, it's crazy. But if you were going to South Beach and you didn't know where it was, and you, you, you opened up your, your app on your phone, you, you entered South Beach or you entered one of those places down there, and you, you, you took off and you, you followed the turn-by-turn instructions. But after a while, it seemed like things were a little off. And you thought, maybe, shouldn't I just be going south and then east? That's really all there is to it, right? It's, it's on the water, so... Um, but as you go, you start to realize that I'm making some rights and some lefts, and I'm kind of curving around, and this doesn't seem right. And pretty soon, you start seeing signs for airboat rides, alligator encounters, rattlesnake dinners. You start realizing you're in the Everglades. You're not at South Beach. You're not going in the right direction because the app had been slipping in these wrong thoughts. And these wrong directions it could happen to our thoughts as well. It's kind of like if maybe you have a personal trainer. A lot of you look like you do. Man, thank you, Mike. You look great, buddy. Your personal trainer is doing a great job. You guys look really sharp and really fit. Um, but if you had a personal trainer, you said, man, I, I want to lose a little weight. Uh, I want to get in better shape. I want to have more endurance. I want to I feel better. I want to get stronger. And you started listening to a personal trainer, and they had you, you know, lift them some weights. But then they kind of had you, put you on a diet of, of a large pizza every day. And they, they really didn't have you work out but once a week. And, and actually what your workout consisted of was, you know, going from the couch to the refrigerator. You start beginning to wonder if this person is leading you the right direction. And a month later, what happens? You gain weight, you got weaker, and you got more tired, right? You get rid of that personal trainer, don't you? You don't just keep doing that. Some of us have maybe too much of a tolerance for bad advice. Or maybe you have a financial advisor and you thought, you know what, I, I need to kind of have a plan because I, someday I'm not going to be able to work anymore or I want to save up for something and someone kind of advises you. And they, first they give you some good advice, but then there's some, some random things in there too, like put all your money in crypto, right, or something like that. Uh, put all your money, bet all your money on a game. You know, those kinds of things, this does not seem right. And it takes me where I didn't want to go. Our thoughts can be that way. I love the quote, Jason Cusick in his book, A Field Guide to Anxiety, which I recommend. He says this, he says, just because you feel something doesn't mean it's true. Just because you think something, just because you feel something, just because, you know, I think this might, it doesn't mean it's true. Sometimes we kind of look at our thoughts and feelings as gospel. Well, I felt it. Well, I thought it. It must be true. But 2 Corinthians 10 kind of refutes that. It says, the weapons of our warfare 
or not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And get this, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. See, there's a process of kind of examining the thoughts that go through our minds and the feelings that we have to determine how to determine how do they line up with Christ and what does it mean to follow Christ? What does it mean to obey him? And we need to be very serious about this. Take every captivating thought, captive, if you will, every thought that tends to steer us in a direction, we need to take it captive and go, is this right? Does this fit with where I want to go? And that's what we're looking at in Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 4. As we see Peter, I'm sorry, Paul and Barnabas encountering someone who is an enemy of faith or an enemy of trusting God. So the setting of the story is they are, uh, there's this church called the Church at Antioch. And it is founded because Saul, the Pharisee, had this huge persecution happen in Jerusalem. And he, he went and started dragging people out of their houses. And he was actually killing some people, causing some people to be executed. Because of that, the church scattered around the known world, and these churches began to pop up. And the one at Antioch, founded by people fleeing persecution, began to reach not only Jews, but Gentiles. And the, really, this was the first really explosive growth of a church reaching non-Jews. And we see this church being all that God said it should be. And things are great. And Jerusalem sends Barnabas up. and says, Hey, Barnabas, go check this out. See if this is a cult or something. See if these people, their theology is right. See if they're on track. Is God really doing this or is this just some kind of a phenomenon? And Barnabas shows up because this is amazing. I see God's grace. I see people receiving what they didn't deserve. I see forgiveness. This is totally legitimate. And he goes and he gets Saul, who is now a follower of Jesus, who is now a supporter of the church that he once wanted to destroy. It's been about 10 years, and he goes and gets Saul, and he brings them to Antioch. And together, for a year, they pour into this church. And things are great. They are having a huge influence. They're seeing people follow Jesus. It's amazing. But they know that following Jesus isn't just about us, right? It's about reaching out to those beyond us. I love the stories about our leaders and kids reaching out to other kids who aren't from us, who don't know Jesus. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so the church fasts and prays for direction. God, what do you want us to do next? What's our next step? And they all came away with the same sense of God saying, you need to send two of your very best. There's five key leaders, and they send two of their very best. They send Saul and Barnabas to what God is going to do next to spread his message of Jesus Christ around the world. So we pick the story up in Acts chapter 13, beginning in verse 4, where the Lord says this. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, and let me just stop there and notice the story of Acts is the story of the Holy Spirit. If Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the story of Jesus, Acts is the story of the Holy Spirit working through humans, working through the apostles. Uh, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus, and they arrived at Salamis, and they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. 
So they go out, and these are real names of real places. Um, Antioch is about 15 miles from the coast of the Mediterranean. They go down the Orontes River, and they come to the port city of Seleucia. I'm sorry, of, of Seleucia. And they sail to Cyprus, about 60 miles. And they land on the northeast uh, side of Cyprus. And that island is kind of Cuba-like in terms of size. It's significant. It's, it's fairly big. And they land there, and the first thing they do is they go to the synagogues. These were the Jewish places of worship, not as formal as the temple, but it's where they would gather uh, on a regular basis to pray, to teach, uh, to learn. And so Paul and Barnabas go there, and they share the good news of Jesus. They were not going to bypass the Jews. They wanted them to know. They wanted to have opportunity to engage. It's significant. This is Paul's normal practice as he has his ministry and travels around the world. He goes to the Jews first, and then he goes on to the Gentiles. Verse 6. Oh, one other thing. It's just an interesting note. It says they had John to assist them. So they didn't just go themselves. They brought someone up who they could raise up to be the next great leader. And John is actually John Mark, and he will write the Gospel of Mark. And he'll be the source, he'll be the part of a conflict coming up. So it's important to know that John was with them. Verse 6. And when they'd gone through the whole land, as far as Paphos, they came upon a certain magician, a false, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Now it's kind of crazy when we see that word, they came upon a magician. Okay, so somebody's pulling rabbits out of hats. What's the big deal, right? Isn't that what you think? You know, I mean, we think of magicians as entertainers, as people who are supposed to wow us and show us things that seem impossible. But magicians for us really aren't like going to influence us spiritually very much. They're going to saw somebody in half, right? But in this case, a magician is really someone who is using the spirit world, combining it with some science, in order to have influence, and they're kind of thought as someone who can get you in touch with the spirit world and advise you like that. And this one's name, he's, he's, Mark says he's a magician. He's a Jewish false prophet, which means he is interpreting things wrongly. He is trying to even, even probably predict things that aren't going to happen. And his name is Bar-Jesus, which means son of Jesus or son of the Savior. Now, notice Jesus was also in Hebrew would have been Joshua or Yeshua. And so it's not like he's saying son of the Jesus. Uh, he's saying this is son of the Savior. That's what he's known as. So he's, he's kind of mixing in a lot of stuff here, right? He's the son of the Savior. He's someone we should trust to save us. He has our best interest at heart, but he's a magician and he's a false prophet. Verse 7, and he was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus. Great name, Sergius Paulus. I love that. Um, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. So Cyprus is a district of Rome, and they governed their districts. They governed the world. Uh, they had leaders, or we would call them governors, but they're called proconsuls. And so Sergius Paulus is the Roman representative that lives in and governs the island of Cyprus from this city of Paphos, which is a relatively new city. 
probably only about 20 years old, that Rome had built in order to govern Cyprus. Cyprus has had people on it for a long, long time. Various uh, groups of people have governed Cyprus, but now since Rome owns the world, it governs Cyprus. But Romans, very much like the Greeks, were very polytheistic. And so they believed in various gods. And you, you think of Greek mythology, Roman mythology, kind of the same kind of thing. And gods had to be appeased. They had to be pleased. They had to be acknowledged. There was all kinds of different gods that he would have worshipped. He's a man of intelligence, so he's very sharp. But he has this magician that's a part of his group of advisors. But he wants to know about all gods, so he summons Barnabas and Saul, and he sought to hear the word of God. We need to always pay attention to that, don't we? Anyone who has a question about God, anyone who wants to know something about Jesus or has a question, always need to pay attention because we don't seek God on our own. It's his activity in our lives that draws us to him, right? And so he seeks to hear the word of God from Barnabas and from Paul in verse 8. But Elymas, the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Now, who is Elymas? Well, apparently it's another name for Bar-Jesus. He's the magician. And the name Elymas really, most scholars believe, means wise or someone who passes himself off as wise, or we might call them a wise guy. This is the guy who's making his living from looking smart, right? Oh, man, have you talked to Elemis about that? need to talk to Elemis. He's to put you in front of the Ouija board. Uh, he's going to talk to the spirits for you. He's got some very deep knowledge that no one else has. He's got contact with the spirits. Go talk to Elemis. That's, that's the kind of person he was. Made his living, developed his power, from his ability to apparently interact with the spirit world and was probably very good at it. But he opposed them. He was seeking to turn the proconsul away from faith. You see that word faith? It's the Greek word to believe. It's also for us, it really means to trust that I'm going to trust Jesus, and that's what the faith is. I'm trusting Jesus with my salvation to forgive me of my sin. I'm trusting him completely. Elemis is not having it. He's like, ah, we got to stop this. And you can just kind of hear him kind of whispering in the governor's ear going, hey, listen, you can't trust Jesus because what about all these other gods? What about all these other gods that your ancestors have worshipped? I mean, are you going to say that all of your ancestors were wrong? That the, the whole government of Rome is built on this polytheistic system, that that's wrong? Or You can't say that. There's other gods. Come on. No exclu- there's no exclusivity here. Jesus can't claim that. You can't do that. You know, really, think about this. Don't turn to faith in Jesus, because if you do, what is that going to cost you? What is that going to do to your reputation? You might lose your position. You may lose your power. What's a governor without power? You're going to lose as a result of that your income probably. Do you really want to take that kind of risk? You can just hear him like that. I think we all have a little bit of elements in our ear sometimes. 
Can you really trust Jesus? Do you really have that kind of faith? Do you really want to go in that direction? Are you really going to risk your life in that way? Well, Saul is ready for this. And I love his response in verse 9. The Bible says, but Saul, who was also called Paul, and let me just, as an aside, understand that we hear about Paul now from, from now on, and what's happening is Luke is moving him from a Jewish context. Saul was his Jewish name. Paul was his Greek or Roman name. That was his name as he's going to go interact with all these Gentiles, and this is really the turning point for uh, Paul in that. So Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. And let me just stop it there. If you're going to deal with false or enemy thoughts and feelings, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're going to deal with opposition, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you think, well, I think it'd be better just to get mad and get in someone's face and use my anger as, as a tool. No, really, it would be better for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the God of the universe permeate your voice. Let the God of the universe permeate your thoughts. Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Spirit of God. Let me ask you, do you function that way? He's available all the time to fill you and to confront these enemy, these captivating thoughts. Filled with the Holy Spirit, he looked intently at him. Now, the original language is a little stronger than that. It was like he is staring daggers into him virtually. He is looking at him. He is intensely looking at him. He's not focused on the proconsul right now. He's focused on the one who is in the way. Moms, do you have that look with your kids? You know the look. You've got to use that occasionally. I can't really do it well, but some people can just stop you with their stare. And he is literally looking right at him as though he's looking right through him. He is focusing on the problem. Filled with the Spirit, focusing on the problem. Verse 10, and he said, you son of the devil. That's pretty strong, isn't it? You son of the devil. Now, his name meant, what, Bar-Jesus, son of the Savior. Paul is saying, you're not the son of the Savior. You're the son of the devil. You're not functioning one who's the son of the one who wants to save. You're functioning as the son of the one who wants to destroy and wants to distract and wants to take you a place you don't need to be. You son of the devil. Remember this. Every thought that, does, that undercuts Jesus and that's trusting Jesus is sourced in the devil. It's not just random. It's not just another idea. It's sourced in the devil himself. The enemy. Remember the one who went to Adam and Eve and said, listen, you're missing out. God's holding stuff back. You can't be without. Don't you need this beauty of this fruit? Oh, don't you need to possess this? It's so beautiful. It's the most beautiful thing in the garden. Why would God hold it back from you? Oh, you, and it's going to make you feel so good. It's so much fun. It's going to give you this incredible pleasure, pleasurable experience by eating this. And oh, and also it's going to make you, it's going to improve your status. 
You're going to be more important. You're going to be godlike. That's what the enemy says. That's what the devil says. That's what Paul is saying that Bar-Jesus is doing. You son of the devil. And here's the effect. You're the enemy of righteousness. So there's no gray area here for Paul. You're the enemy of righteousness. You're full of all deceit and villainy. You want to deceive and you want to do harm. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? You see, these enemy thoughts, these captivating thoughts from the enemy, what they do is they cause what seems normal and straight to follow Jesus. They make it crooked and confusing, difficult, hard, not even a good idea. The problem with these thoughts is that they get us off track. They take us to a place we didn't want to go. They take us to the Everglades when we were trying to get to South Beach. Verse 11. And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. And immediately midst and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Paul literally turned the lights off of this man who was bringing these captivating enemy ideas into the mind of Sergius Paulus. He says, listen, I'm going to make you dark. It's going to go dark. I'm turning you off. I'm shutting you down. I'm deleting you from the file. And he causes him to be led around by the hand, which reminds us of Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus. Remember, he's blinded. He needed people to lead him actually into the city to find someone who could tell him about Jesus and be saved. And so there's a little bit of hope for Elymas here that maybe he would find Jesus in his darkness and maybe he would find Jesus when he realizes his thoughts, his motivations are far from God. There's a little hope there, but the important thing to note is that Paul is turning his ideas into darkness and discrediting them. And verse 12 says, And then the proconsul believed. He believed. When he saw that what had occurred, for he was astounded, astonished by the teaching of the Lord. You see, when these enemy thoughts go dark, faith can develop. When these barriers are out of the way, faith can happen. Trust can develop in people who are God is drawing to himself. So let me ask you, what thoughts are getting you off track today? What feelings or thoughts are taking you away from the destination that God wants, where God wants to take you? So the enemy wants to tell you, you know what? Jesus can't be trusted with your sin. You know what you've done. And you know that you're a good person. You know that you can overcome this. You can do it. You've got ability. You're talented. You're educated. You've got position. You're not someone who has to bow down to Jesus alone. You can work this out. You can't trust Jesus to take care of your sin. See, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Or another twin lie is, you know what? You're too broken. 
You're too scarred for Jesus to ever accept. You're too far gone. Listen, either Jesus can redeem or he can't. There's no partial redemption here. There's no one here who's too broken, who's too far gone, that Jesus cannot save, that Jesus cannot forgive, that Jesus cannot remove the sin from. There's no one too far gone. Or maybe the lies you're struggling with and the thoughts that are in your mind are the same ones in the garden, and you're thinking, you know what? Jesus, if I follow him, what am I going to give up? Am I going to have to give up some beautiful things? Or maybe it's not going to be any fun, but let me tell you, it's a lot of fun. You saw it in the camp video. It's a lot of fun to follow Jesus. It's a fulfilling life. It's a life that gets rid of emptiness. The enemy wants to tell you there's too much you're going to have to give up. Or you're going to have to stop doing certain things that, that dishonor Jesus. And yeah, that's going to happen, but it's not going to be much of a loss. Or even worse, the enemy wants to tell you that it's just going to cost too much. You're going to lose influence, maybe even lose a job. It's going to cost too much. But what is following Jesus really worth? I mean, he has died to deal with my sin. He has given me a life that's going to last forever. He gives me innocence before God. What about you? Are you dealing with any of this? Have you dealt with it? You say, well, how do I deal with it? I've identified some thoughts. And you've identified, well, how do I actually deal with them? How do I process? Well, I think it's a pretty good pattern here in Acts where Paul says this, I want to be filled with the Spirit. Don't try to do this on your own because then you'll get credit. Say, Jesus, I want you to fill me with your Spirit and I want you to identify the things that are wrong in me. I want to be filled with the Spirit. I want to focus on the thoughts and the feelings that don't line up with Jesus, that undercut my trust in Him. I, I want to do that. So you need to be filled with the Spirit, focus on the thoughts that don't line up with Jesus, and identify their source. They are a big deal. Even if they just take you a little bit off the path, they are from the enemy. And they're having the effect taking you a place that's not where Jesus wants you to go and not a good place, not a favorable place, but an awful place. Be filled with the Spirit. Focus on the thoughts that take you away from Jesus. Identify their source and their effect. And then you need to turn the lights off on them. So how do I do that? Listen, you need to say, you need to identify that's wrong. I'm not going to look at that anymore. I'm going to turn that light off. Maybe you need to cut off a source. Maybe there's someone who is physically speaking in your ear that you need to quit listening to. We need to take every thought captive. You see, we need to trust Jesus and not our thoughts and our feelings. See, how well you capture these captivating thoughts will determine your spiritual direction and destination. Here's the thing. Sometimes people have listened so long that they settle for wherever these thoughts have taken them. And they miss out on the great places that Jesus wants to take you. You miss out on the joy, on the fulfillment, 
on the meaningful life of helping others find Jesus. Trust Jesus, not your thoughts and not your feelings. Trust Jesus and turn the lights out on the enemy thoughts of the devil. Turn the lights out. I'm not going to listen to that anymore. Would you bow with me? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.